Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP, always designing for people. What is a TV guest star for? Maybe they have something to promote. Maybe they're supposed to boost ratings. Maybe they help deliver a new audience or let you do a joke you couldn't otherwise do. And maybe, honestly, they are just the best possible actor for the story. But whatever guest stars are for, they range from highly celebrated to, frankly, infamous. And they might be gracefully integrated into a cast or awkwardly shoehorned into a plot and soon forgotten. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Linda Holmes. And today we're talking about TV guest stars on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you keep your stress bottled up, it can eat away at you. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to make them better. Try BetterHelp Online Therapy, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp at BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Be My Guest with Ina Garten, a podcast from Food Network. Intimate and captivating conversations with new and old friends. Jennifer Garner, Frank Bruni, Emily Mortimer, and more. Listen to Be My Guest wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the official Hacks podcast from Max. Join the creators and showrunners of Hacks as they discuss each episode and speak with the cast and crew about the making of the series. Listen to the official Hacks podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Here with me and Glenn today are our co-hosts, Aisha Harris. Hey, Aisha. Hey, Linda. Hey, and Stephen Thompson. Hey, Stephen. Hello, Linda. So what got us talking about guest stars was really a couple of things. One was the discussion about the season of The Bear, which really leaned on how hot the show was in its first season to bring in a very powerful roster of actors like Jamie Lee Curtis or Olivia Coleman or the director and comedian Robert Townsend. Other thing we got talking about was Only Murders in the Building, which is so heavily associated with its central trio, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, but which continues to bring in big talent, including in this third season that's currently underway, Paul Rudd and Meryl Streep. Stephen, I want to start off by asking you, when you hear about a big guest star on a show that you like, what is your mix of reactions as far as that's really fun, that's exciting, all the way to that sounds like a weird stunt? Like, what makes that determination for you? I think for me, the first thing I'm really looking for, is the guest star appropriate to the plot? Is it in some way commenting on something? I like it when a guest star has some like slightly fourth wall breaking reason to be there. Hmm. Uh, Examples that jump out for me are like, putting Will Arnett as a bad boyfriend on Parks and Rec (laughs) when you know that at the time he was married to Amy Poehler. Or every time, like, Steve Carell is something and they cast Nancy Walls as, like, 
some terrible love interest gone horribly awry and they're you know, married in real life. That like kind of cute commentary or like casting Lin-Manuel Miranda on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as like Amy's like weird, shady, kind of try-hard brother felt like it was commenting not only on the fact that people knew that Lin-Manuel Miranda was a fan of the show and had rallied to save the show, but that like that character had little glimmers of Lin-Manuel Miranda's personality Couldn't in it. be. Couldn't be. A try-hard. <laughs> in, in, in fun ways. We like Lin-Manuel Miranda, but he's him. absolutely a try-hard. Yeah. I think he would put that in his own bio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like a guest star to to be kind of making a little bit of a nod to the audience while also advancing the plot where guest stars fall down for me and where I don't find them as fun is when it really just feels like stunt casting, when it Mm -hmm. really just feels like, man, we got Brad Pitt, we're putting him in there. And there's not necessarily a reason to do that. I also have a pretty strict, I do not care where a given politician fits on the political spectrum. I don't care if it's Michelle Obama on Parks and Rec. I don't care if it's Richard Nixon saying, suck it to me on Mm -hmm. laughing. I don't like it. I don't think they're funny. No politicians. (laughs) They're there. Too much baggage, right. I agree, too much baggage. I got that. Yeah, there's just too much baggage. They're only there for political reasons. I have many more thoughts, but... As do we all. Yes. As as do we all. All right. So, Aisha, tell me sort of where you come down on the guest star question of stunt casting versus well-chosen. Yeah. Well, Stephen, I'm with you on the breaking of the fourth wall sort of thing. One of my favorites is probably Wayne Brady on Chappelle's show and Mm -hmm. him (laughs) playing with his image as the Mm -hmm. square, family-friendly, whose line is it anyway guy, and then showing up on Chappelle's show and just being the most awful human being you could possibly like that's fun Mm -hmm. but you know not to be all webster's dictionary says but (laughs) the (laughs) emmys they categorize a guest star and for the purposes of this conversation i will just use them a guest star is a performer who appears in less than 50 percent of the eligible episodes eligible for the emmys so i think that for me it First of all, when I think of what makes a guest star to begin with, it's either a cameo, so they're only in it for like maybe one scene, here for a good time, not a long time. Um, I think about Ron Howard, who was the narrator in Arrested Development, but he also (laughs) shows up as himself at the very end of season three. And I don't count any of the other seasons that came after it. I know he shows up for them, but I pretend those don't exist. (laughs) You're aware of their work. (laughs) Yes. And he shows up at the end of season three as himself in a really great bit that I really love. And maybe pitches her TV show to a Hollywood icon who says, No, I uh, I don't see it as a series. Maybe a movie. And that's how it ends. I think that's like a nice little button to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's the cameo. And then there's like the, hi, my name is, and you are just playing yourself. And when mm-hmm. I think about the prototype of this in TV, I have to go all the way back to I Love Lucy. Yeah, good one. And I Love Lucy... Starting in season four was when it really kind of kicked off because that's when they go to Hollywood. And what I like about the use of all of these various Hollywood stars at the time, whether it's John Wayne, Rock Hudson, Hedda Hopper, like they are there. Yes, they're playing themselves and they're often promoting whatever movie they're in at that moment in kind of awkward ways where they have to shoehorn in the name of the movie they're currently in or just finished shooting. But what I like about it is that they are often so integrated into the plot 
of the episode. Mm. They're not just there to say hi and bye. And they also fuel Lucy's personality as someone who is obsessed with fame and obsessed with being around famous people. So I also want to play a quick clip of her meeting William Holden in a classic season four episode. uh, It's very exciting meeting you, Mr. Holden. uh, You're my favorite movie actor. Thank you, Lucy. I've seen you so many times, I feel that I know you. So in case you don't remember that episode, in a previous scene, she had obsessively tried to like get a look at him at the Brown Derby, uh, the famous <laughs> restaurant in Hollywood. And because of her obsessiveness, she got him all covered in food. Um, and then Ricky brings him to meet her at the house. She doesn't know he's going to be there. And so she's wearing this like prosthetic nose that she's created. And she's like trying to disguise herself so he doesn't recognize her from that previous scene. I have a funny feeling I know you, too. Oh. <laughs> Haven't we met somewhere? Oh, no. No, that's impossible. Yeah, I guess it is, but uh, something about you that's so familiar, especially around the eyes. So I love when it's kind of integrated in there, too. And there are other examples, too, Mm -hmm. but those are kind of my two favorite sort of iterations of the guest star. All right. Glenn, how about you? I I have a feeling... You're going to have an idea of how to organize guest stars in our minds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you might think so. Uh, Look, I have my own working definition. Uh, Y'all do too. Um, Mine is, you know, the correct one, but uh, let's just stipulate (laughs) that. Secondly, I think we can go too narrow here because the definition of guest star, special guest star, extra special guest star has always been muddy, always will be because it's determined largely by – Agents and managers, it's something that's negotiated. It's something that has to do with billing and compensation. Heather Locklear, baby. Six and a half, Heather six Locklear. And a half seasons as a special <laughs> guest star on Melrose Place. Exactly. Yes. And Margot Martindale on The Americans was considered a guest star. Yeah. So I think we can strike a balance here between- None of those are guest yeah, stars. Exactly. Being too broad and too precise. I think it's just a matter of, you know, when you see it, my taxonomy divides, it's like the phylogenetic tree that divides animalia and plantae, right? Divides at the root <laughs> between- <laughs> The stunt castings and the day players. And and so my definition isn't about what form it takes, but whether or not it works. And you, you both have mentioned it's a stunt casting when the celebrity status of a guest kind of becomes the juice. It's the thing that drives the appearance. Mm-hmm. Their presence creates a kind of gravity field that bends the whole show's, you know, space-time continuum around them. It's not about fitting into the show. It's about the stunt. And the most tragic example, we've already mentioned Arrested Development, but Martin Short on Arrested Development playing an uncle. Oh, yeah. You don't like that bit at all. As silly as that show got, there was always a dryness and a restraint. And these are not words you apply to Martin Short. He's a comedic genius, but that's not that's not who he is. Hey, fake Uncle Jack. Oh, is this the boy? Is this the little one? My God, you're an army man. <laughs> I was never in the army. I was in the pictures. Here comes Uncle Jack. Shoot me. Look at that, I pinned him. I pinned the army man. And in the subset of the stunt casting is the cameo where people are playing themselves and the characters tend to refer to them using their full names. These are the cameos. Stay out of it, Nick Lachey on One Tree Hill. (laughs) Cher on Will and Grace. Prince on New Girl. Sammy Davis Jr. on All in the Family. Snooki on Supernatural. Mm -hmm. Paris Hilton on pretty much anything. (laughs) But compare that to the day players, right? This is the platonic ideal. They bring their celebrity presence to bear, but they're not so much stepping big celebrity stuff all over the place. They're using their skills, their celebrity, to adapt their game. They get into the rhythm the tone, they service the show, but importantly, they're still the celebrity, right? So they, they don't disappear into it. So you could plug anybody else into it. You can plug anybody else into the Margot Martindale role. They're bringing something artisanal, something specific. And I'll say it, Matt Damon on Willa Grace is a mm-hmm. perfect example of this. Why don't we start with some vocal exercises? 
What gym do you go to? Why haven't I seen you at the clubs? And who have we slept with in common? I work out at home. I'm allergic to smoke, and I'm in a long-term relationship with my high school boyfriend. Name? Ben. I know him. No, you don't. How do you know? He told me you don't. Perfect, right? He matches the rhythm. He matches the tone. I'm going to go controversial here. I'd say Gwyneth on Glee. What do you say we have class outside today? It's raining outside. Well, then let's take a field trip to Taco Bell. (laughs) I think that's reasonable. I think that's reasonable. I'm going to throw out another one here. John Hamm on 30 Rock. Anybody on 30 Rock. Yes, I was going to say 30 Rock. Yeah, anybody on 30 Rock, yeah. John Hamm on 30 Rock is such a perfect example of how you can get it right. First of all, there is an existing relationship and friendship there, clearly, that compels him to go on that show as much as he did. But it also that performance, he's clearly John Hamm, but he's bringing a different side of John Hamm than we knew at the time was really there. No, what is this? Dr. Drew's salmon bourguignon. What is this orangey taste? Gatorade. You very quickly kind of forget that you're watching the guy from Mad Men and you're just seeing another comedic player. And so that's another one of my favorite kind of guest performance. Elaine Stritch on 30 Rock, mm-hmm. Michael Sheen on 30 Gary Rock, Fisher. Carrie Fisher on yeah. 30 Rock. That's a, sh- that's a show that really knew how yeah. to. I guess it comes down to the direction maybe because they know how to modulate those, how to use those performances. I was thinking about the shows where they become kind of reliant on a, we're going to have this person on the show in order to put them in the commercial for the episode. Uh That is something that I think Will and Grace (laughs) has in common with another show, which I pulled a clip from featuring Robin Williams. Where's the defense counsel? I don't have a lawyer, Your Honor. Uh I'd like to represent myself. You know the old adage? Yes, that a man who represents himself has a fool for a client. I do. But I don't make enough money to afford a private attorney, and I make too much money to have a public defender, so that's how I find myself. I was hoping we'd get to the procedurals. (laughs) So that is Robin Williams playing a very creepy guy named Merritt Rook on an episode of SVU. Mm -hmm. He's so good in it. And I think there is a group of actors for whom there's been an opportunity to do like a different thing on a procedural. And it's not that Robin Williams had not already done kind of creepy dudes in movies. But I think it was part of expanding kind of how people understood him. But at the same time, that's also the basis of the John Mulaney bit about watching SVU and seeing Dean Cain in a lineup and being like, and I kept wanting the person who's looking at the lineup to go, is that Dean Cain? <laughs> because <laughs> there are people where it, it doesn't work as well. James Vanderbeek did one. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit like, you know, again, it's a little try hard in terms of like, I just don't find you menacing. I'm sorry. And sometimes the motivation feels like, are you just trying to get a guest actor, Emmy? Ah, uh, right. Right. Yeah. Well, yes, that can be true for anything. But I think one of the things I find fascinating is that this idea of like the SVU Will and Grace thing annoys me when it becomes kind of rote and you just feel like they're going through like wacky thing for X person to do or in the case of SVU, like upsetting and serious thing for a person to do. But at the same time, you you never know when it's going to be delightful because like I feel like the Matt Damon thing has kind of hurtled a bit for me over time just because for a variety of reasons. I don't think I love that performance as much as I did when I first saw it. But I really liked it when I first saw it. I did think it was really funny. I still think the entire gay men's chorus going (gasps) when Jack announces that he's straight is very funny. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a line somewhere between that and the ones where like J-Lo was J-Lo and Cher was Cher. (laughs) (laughs) And like maybe those are getting a little overdetermined. But the interesting thing, this is the last thing I want to say, is 
I do think there are some, like some of the ones on the bear, where the fact that they are a famous person has a kind of a subtext to it where it gives weight to who the character is Mm -hmm. in a way that would be hard to accomplish in any other way. The moment when you see Olivia Coleman in the second season of The Bear, the whole point of that is that is supposed to be a person who is a quietly big deal Mm -hmm. who Richie is really surprised to see at that moment. And so to have that suddenly be, hey, that's Olivia Coleman, like works really well. It Mm -hmm. gives weight to that moment. And I think similarly, having Sydney's dad be Robert Townsend, when she is going through all this stuff about like how to kind of accommodate her own creativity and how to pursue her creativity, if you sort of know some of the work that Robert Townsend has done, that gives that weight um, in a way yeah. that's not just, hey, that's Robert Townsend. Hey, that's Olivia Coleman. Especially for Robert Townsend, the whole narrative around his film debut of Hollywood Shuffle was that he maxed out his credit cards mm-hmm. to make that movie. If you know that and then you have his character telling Sydney, like, you need to make a real living. I'm concerned about you trying to be this, you know, chef artist. It, it really does make a big difference. Right. The thing is that they're not resting on their celebrity. They're drafting on mm. it, right? As you mentioned, Linda, so Jamie Lee Curtis plays the mom on the bear. She's a presence. She's larger than life because that role needs to be a presence and larger than life. And her most well-known role is of a woman who survives, sing along with me, trauma. <laughs> and that is part of this show. Um, and the thing that was interesting to me about that casting of that one episode is Sarah Paulson because she is a chameleon Yes, she's a presence. Yes, she's a good actor. But you don't necessarily assign things to her in the way that you assign things to like John Mulaney, who is, again, drafting on the fact that we know John Mulaney is intelligent and he's funny. And that's part of who that character is. They understood the assignment. I think the determination of whether or not it works is if they are of use in the, in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to to your point earlier, though, Linda, about it feeling rote, I think to go back again to I Love Lucy, as the seasons progressed and once they got into the Lucy Desi comedy hours, they overly relied on guest True. stars because of behind the scenes things <laughs> yeah. that were happening between Lucy and Desi and their marriage was crumbling and they could barely be on screen together. And you can really tell when you're watching those guest stars, it's just like, oh, they're here. They're doing their best. But also yeah. the narrative, the story is not here. And it's kind of like they're at a paper over right. it. One thing we haven't really talked about is like, okay, so we're saying guest star. Mm -hmm. So in this context, we were talking about them as a star. So it's not like before they were stars where like you're watching Law & Order and you see someone who's now a star. We are talking about this in the context of like they're already a star. This is a celebrity. And I think one of the drawbacks often, especially of these smaller roles or when it's just the like, hey, it's a cameo role, is that – Years pass, time pass, and you may not know if you're watching it in the present who that person oh, is, sure. and it is completely lost on that you. That has yeah. absolutely <laughs> happened to me. Like watching some episodes of, of Fresh Prince, where you know I was alive then, but some of the random throwaway people they have on there, I'm just like, I have no idea who they're talking yeah. about. Oh yeah, and that can be a definite drawback. And I do wonder, especially a show like Thirty Rock, which I love, it had so many guest stars, but I do wonder. I was rewatching the Kidney Now. The Great Kidney Now uh, episode (laughs) they have this celebrity charity single. And amongst (laughs) the celebrities singing, yeah, you've got Wyclef, you've got Cheryl Crow, you've got Adam Levine. They're all still, you know, relevant. But then there's like Clay Aiken. Oh, you're going to get mail. Oh, you are going to get so much mail. Aisha, what are you doing? Aisha, Aisha. Did you just get I'm sorry. But for the record, (laughs) if you're a 15-year-old watching this, you are probably not going to know who Clay Aiken is. So I I 
just think it's like interesting to rewatch some of these shows, especially if it's a sitcom and people start clapping and they're like, whoa, and you're like, what? Who yeah. is this person? The more you have a live studio audience yeah. freaking out over Artie Johnson or whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention was that this is something I think we associate, like you guys have been talking about, with like 30 Rock and Will and Grace and things like that. But as Aisha mentioned with I Love Lucy, it goes back a long, oh, yeah. long way. And you yeah. do have things like, you know, episodes of the Brady Bunch where it's not just like the Davy Jones situation, but also sure. like the Don Drysdale, the Joe, Joe Namath. Namath. Oh, Don Joe Namath. <laughs> the only reason I know who Joe Namath is is because of Brady Bunch. <laughs> I think it's the only reason a lot of people know who Joe Namath is. If they were, if they are not football people and if they yeah. are not of the generation when he was a big star. Yeah. Ooh, I have one other little clip that comes from an episode of Little House on the Prairie. You promised me when we came out here we were going to have a new life. That's what I aim to do. You said it was a sign, an honest life. When you found the shack, it was a sign, Caleb. It was a place to keep warm in, Maddie, a place to hide, a place to wait till something better come along. That's all. So that, of course, is Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, I I was like, they sound familiar, but I've never watched this show, so I have no idea. That is Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash in guest appearances. That is one of the reasons why I wanted to play that clip is there were certain shows and aren't as many now where you could have a weekly show where they would bring in characters who were unrelated to the main characters who would sort of have an episode where you followed the story of, in this case, this guy who's sort of a grifter but like you know loves his wife go figure they would cast them for this you know story of these people since they are such a great love story in real life but this is something that goes back a really long way but the casting of musicians goes all the way up to the last clip i want to play which comes from the first season of only murders in the building let's give me an idea for a song I thought it was me, and I was so low. But my words didn't put a bullet into Tim Corner. Oh, no. That was Sting, right? That, of course, is Sting. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Sting. Unmistakably Sting. <laughs> In this season, he plays one of the residents of the building, but he is himself. And this is an example of another kind of guest appearance that I sometimes really like, which is is the exaggerated self. Yeah. Not just the ones that are like, you know, when they would have famous journalists on Murphy Brown or politicians, as Stephen Mm -hmm. mentioned, but somebody who really plays a very particularly exaggerated kind of bent version of themselves, which Mm -hmm. is what Sting does in this thing. And to me, it is so completely the highest possible best outcome of having Sting as a guest star on Only Murders in the Building. I think they figured out a way to make that Sting appearance kind of fit into the thing and not feel too wacky. I think it's fascinating that we've had this whole conversation and we haven't mentioned animation. Mm -hmm. We haven't mentioned voice acting at all. And I think one reason is that it's become so expected. The Simpsons have some sort of celebrity appears virtually every episode, you know, where they have opportunities to bring in celebrities and they're able to kind of just like crank them a little bit an extra notch and write jokes really specifically for that person. And I think that's why often I think animation can really get that exaggerated self extra right. I mean, including Sting, including Sting, who was very funny on The Simpsons. I want to also throw in an argument for Frasier and how every episode, when there's a guest caller sure. on his show, mm-hmm. it's a famous person. That and was a good bit. One yeah. of the things I liked about that bit is that I love 
listening and trying to figure out who it is and then guessing at the end at the credits if I was right or wrong. I'm often wrong. But like everyone from Carrie Fisher, Mel Brooks, Kevin Bacon, you only have their voice to go off of. And the little skits are always, to me, part of the funniest parts of that show and hearing them interact. And I think that that takes its own kind of skill to be able to pull that off because you are playing a character and then you're playing a character up against the very angsty, angry (laughs) Frasier um, who is not good at his job. So I think voice acting as a guest star should count for something. Absolutely. There is one aspect of the guest star kind of universe we haven't touched on, which is something that doesn't happen much anymore, though it still does, the backdoor pilot. Uh, The Mm -hmm. backdoor pilot is an episode of a series that's there to generate buzz so that it could be parlayed into another project. This used to be Children Gather Round. This used to be how primetime sitcoms especially reproduced. You know, for most of its life, the show Happy Days was an incubator for spinoffs like mm-hmm. Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy and Joni Loves Chachi, but also for ones that didn't go like Blansky's Beauties and Out of the Blue. Um, All in the Family led to Maud, but it still happens. There's Grey's spinoffs, there's CSI spinoffs, there's NCIS spinoffs. I mean, that's a cousin of the crossover episode, right? Yeah, exactly. When you think mm-hmm. about Family Matters and Full House doing the crossover where they mm-hmm. guest starred on each other's yeah. shows. Yeah, well, like, and that is that is a situation where a guest star is still playing the same person, and yet they're mm-hmm. a guest star. Like, they're right. playing mm-hmm. somebody that you're used to seeing them as. Because when I started putting together thoughts about guest stars, one of the things I thought was fascinating was it kind of took me all the way back to my understanding of acting and performing at a very basic level and thinking about how funny it is that so many people expect that you're going to be able to like look at literal Meryl Streep (laughs) and somehow not see that it's Meryl Streep. Like Mm -hmm. that there are people who kind of judge actors by, was I constantly thinking about the fact that this was Meryl Streep? Well, yeah, in a way (laughs) I have eyeballs. They're seeing the literal same person. I don't think people spontaneously develop a totally new persona. I think it's fascinating to think about how well actors do or don't play a new character while kind of accommodating and understanding you're still seeing John Mulaney. You're still seeing Jamie Lee Curtis. You're still seeing Robert Townsend. You're still seeing Tyra Banks on Fresh Prince or whatever. But it's fascinating to me to think about how people flit in and out of all these different universes, and that can be Robin Williams, and yet we all kind of agree to pretend it's not. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's that James Baldwin quote? I'm going to paraphrase. It's not exact, but it's something like, we don't watch movie stars to watch them act, but to watch them be. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, that is the point. We are watching them be themselves while also maybe playing a different character or a version of themselves that is not exactly who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, tell us, what are your favorite TV guest star appearances? Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. And, of course, my favorite co-stars, Aisha Harris, Glenn Weldon, Stephen Thompson. Thanks so much to all of you guys for being here. I love them. We're all together. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be your (laughs) (laughs) co-star. We want to take a moment to thank our real co-stars, the Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to show your support and you'd like to listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode is produced by Liz Metzger and Mike Katzif and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you all for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you tomorrow.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from the NPR Wine Club. NPR Wine Club members have contributed over $1.5 million to helping create a more informed public. B21. Join the charge at nprwineclub.org slash podcast. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more. On It's Been a Minute, we're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.